Traveling to the deepest parts of the ocean is an experience few people will ever get in their lifetime, but that's exactly what explorer Victor Vescovo did. His quest not only broke the record for the deepest dive, but it also uncovered rare images of life thousands of feet below sea level. This is TikTok. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. Victor Vescovo is joining me on the podcast today to talk about his exciting journey. Hi, Victor. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on with us today. I, I just want to start out. I think so many people are wondering where this expedition came about. Can you just tell us how you got to uh, travel down to the depths of the ocean like this? Sure. Well, I, I guess, you know, as a little kid, I was a guy that, you know, got on his bicycle, went all over the place exploring things. It's just part of my personality. And as I uh, grew up, I actually went into mountain climbing for about two decades, did that pretty extensively. But uh, that's more of a young man's game. And as I got a little bit older, I was looking for different challenges, you know, something else I could do that it wasn't quite as punishing. And I was in the Navy and the reserves for about 20 years. So I've always kind of been drawn to the sea. And I said, well, that'd be a nice kind of symmetrical thing to do instead of going up maybe go down. And then I did some research and I was absolutely stunned to find out that no human had ever been to the bottom of four of the world's oceans out of five. And I said, the, you know, the technology exists to do that. How come it's never been done? And I did some more research and I figured out, you know, what it would take to do it. And I thought, what a exciting, fun adventure to uh, set out on this journey. And we spent four years designing and building the submarine and the support ship. And for the last year, we've been executing the mission. And now we're, we've gone to the bottom of four of the five. We just one more to go. And so then tell us what that process was like preparing for a dive of this kind. You said it was four years in the making. Yeah, it, it was much more of a, a technical and organizational and logistics challenge than, say, something like mountaineering. So we, we went off a clean sheet of paper to design a two-person submersible that could repeatedly and reliably go down even to the very bottom of the ocean. And it's primarily based on titanium. So we took on the lessons that were learned from James Cameron's dive in 2012 and the original dive to the Mariana Trench by the uh, Trieste uh, by Don Walsh in 1960. And so we took all that, got some new technology. We even built our own testing facilities to test all the equipment so it would survive. Then we spent you know, almost two years refitting a former U.S. Navy ship to be the support vessel, put together a crew, worked all the permitting issues, and basically just put it all into place. So it was a very exciting endeavor. A lot of moving parts, but it's all come together. And did you speak with, you, you mentioned James Cameron, did you get to speak with him about his dive prior to you going down there? And I wonder if there was anything that you learned from him that maybe helped you sort of tweak your own expedition. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Cameron, James, Jim is, is a great guy. Uh, he and I were corresponding almost every other day in the week leading up to my first dive. And he was giving us uh, help in terms of what he saw on the topography of the bottom of the Mariana Trench, where he dove. We even made a suggestion of where we should do some science dives, which we did. And actually, the night before my first dive to the bottom, we had a conference call from the ship, and Jim was on the call. And to my left was Don Walsh, the first person to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, as well as some of my senior crew that had worked on Jim Cameron's expedition. So it was, you know, it's a very collaborative effort. It's a very small community, and we all very much like to learn from each other. How do you mentally prepare for this, you know, knowing that there are only three of you now who have done something like this? Well, it's a lot like a space launch. It's not near as physical as, as climbing a mountain, so it's more of a mental and psychological preparation. Mm -hmm. The capsule stays at one atmosphere the entire time, so there's no physical, you know, issue in terms of, you know, decompression or anything like that. So you basically get in the sub, you close that hatch, and you go down. But 
it's really about managing the systems. So it's a lot more like managing a spacecraft than anything else. And so over the course of a year or two, uh, I really trained well in the simulator of the submersible that I have in my home in Texas. and just went through emergency procedure after emergency procedure, all the standard scenarios of a dive, and just really became fluent with the operation of the submersible so I could handle any condition. Tell us a bit about the day of the mission. Um, what was that like waking up and going onto the ship that you had been preparing for for years? Well, it was a little bit you know, more anxious than most of my other dives, but we had already been diving uh, in other oceans. We'd gone to the bottom of the Atlantic, the Southern Ocean, the Indian Ocean. So in a way, it almost got kind of uh, not, not routine, but you were getting used to it. And I was trying to frame in my own mind that this was a dive that was just you know, a bit deeper than the other ones, but very similar in terms of its execution. And so I was able to, you know, sleep the night before and, you know, did all my preparation. And it was a very smooth dive, to be quite honest. It was long. It took four hours to get down to the bottom. I spent four hours on the on the very bottom, which is the longest anyone's ever stayed down there, and then four hours to get up. So it was a long 12-hour mission. Did you feel any, like, anxiety as you were uh, descending down? You said four hours. That's a long time to get to uh, your destination. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've been down to 8,300 meters before, mm-hmm. and you're constantly checking the all the gauges and all the different systems of the submersible. You're communicating with the surface every 15 minutes, so you're kind of busy. And, you know, you are watching that depth gauge go down and down and down. But I have to confess, you know, once you've reached 10,000 meters and you see five digits on the depth meter, you know, you're in the back of your mind. You're looking at the submarine and you're saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to hold up no problem. And it did, of course. We, we've actually tested it to 120% of full ocean depth. But, yeah, there's, there has to be some level of anxiety. But, you know, you just deal with it, put it in the back of your mind, and you execute the job. Yeah. And then once you get down to the ocean floor, what was that like for you? And just describe sort of what you saw when you were down there. Sure, it was exhilarating. And after all this time and preparation and dealing with all the things that could go wrong, it all just came together. And so when you get to the bottom, and it happens actually sort of suddenly when you actually get closer, and then you're like, oh my gosh, there it is, I can see it. And then you, you, know, you hover the submersible right over the bottom and gently touch down, and it was great. And then I got to work about exploring and trying to look for my you know, robotic landers on the bottom and trying to collect samples and that kind of thing. But what I saw, I saw a flat beige plain. It's very flat in these basins at the bottom of the ocean. But I did see wildlife. Some people have described it as, you know, a lifeless moonscape, but it wasn't. I saw some holothurians, which are a version of sea cucumber, which were translucent. They were beautiful and they were alive and moving around. I saw some amphipods, which are like little shrimp creatures that are living down at the bottom at 16,000 PSI, just above freezing. It was just amazing because how can something survive down there? But life finds a way. And I did unfortunately see a small piece of you know, uh, a human-created trash at the bottom, which I know the uh, news reports have really latched onto. I didn't see you know, a ton of refuse, but I did see that one piece, and that was a, a bit disappointing. Yeah, and I wonder what your reaction to that was. And also, um, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of people are horrified that, that that was something that you discovered down there. Did you expect the reaction to be as... Um, grand as it has been? Well, I think it's a very visceral response that people have because they would assume the deepest part of the ocean would be so remote that it wouldn't be contaminated by man. But we have 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, A thousand or more containers a year fall into the ocean. There are more than 40 or 50 major shipwrecks a year. I mean, we, we dump so much into the ocean. And I've now done enough dives that 
you're going to find evidence of man in the oceans. We're just too omnipresent. And it's just more an issue now of you know, how do we manage that? We all need to survive. Things are going to get into the ocean. So I understand how people are shocked. They shouldn't be surprised at all. But, I, you know, we do want to do the best we can to preserve the habitats that we live in. Yeah. And did you know right away that it was a plastic bag when you saw it? Yeah, it was unmistakable. I mean, nature doesn't do sharp edges. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw the sea floor, and it just immediately registered. That's a man-made object because it had a sharp corner, and it even had something that, that looked like printing on it. So it was some kind of container of some sort. I don't know if it was plastic or not. It probably was, but I didn't even know exactly what material it was because it had silt on it. Oh, wow. And my understanding is your team gathered um, some of what you found down on the ocean floor. Was that also, was the plastic bag something that you brought back with you, or um, did you leave it there? No, it's actually a little difficult to retrieve things like that with this very powerful manipulator I have on the submersible. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we set traps for some of the little creatures down there, and we brought some of them back. We were able to retrieve some rocks from the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which had never been done before. And so we're analyzing those in our laboratories. So we were able to collect some things, but that's not really the most interesting thing to pick up is, is garbage. We wanted to go after the biological and the geological resources down there, which the scientists on our team really wanted to see. Yeah. And, you know, as you're, as you're making your way back up, um, what are you thinking about in that moment? <laughs> <laughs> How long until I get up? <laughs> uh, are you eating? Uh, we, Do you get food down there? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, actually, you know, I finished my lunch on the way up because it's typically a lower workload going up because, uh, you know, at that point, there's nothing more you can really do. So it's really about just checking communications every 15 minutes and the stuff's going up. I play music sometimes, uh, things like that. But really what's going on in your mind is, uh, you know, you're so happy that the dive has occurred. You're hoping that nothing else, you know, goes wrong because there's not much more you can do because the sub's going up. You can't really go up much faster. But we joke that on the way down, a minute is a minute. On the bottom... A minute lasts like 10 seconds in your mind. And then when you're coming up, a minute seems like 10. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> you're just waiting for the sunlight? Yeah, you're waiting to feel that uh, that surface breach when the sub starts rocking and you know you're on the surface. That's the feeling you want to right. you want. Can I ask, what song are you listening to as you're coming coming oh, back up? Every, everybody asks that. It's kind of funny. So I have the uh, what I'm calling my Five Beats playlist. So it's all music that has... Uh, song titles that involve the ocean like i play bruce spring scenes i'm going down 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 uh let's see adele rolling in the deep things like that it's so fitting (laughs) once you get back onto the ship um you know we've seen images of you sort of embracing your team um what was that feeling like for you it was fantastic because the most subtle thing to me and the most powerful thing that i will miss is actually this team that i've been able to assemble over the last several years to put it all together. I'm just one guy. I'm one cog in the machine. Other people designed the sub, built it, are running the expedition, uh, everyone. And uh, having them be on the surface and, you know, clapping and being excited for me, you know, they made it happen. And so it was a very, it's a bit of an emotional moment. And I know that, you know, nothing lasts forever. And one day I'm going to have to say goodbye to this extraordinary team. But uh, it was just great to have all my friends there who, who did this amazing technical achievement. And it's, a, it's something that it's not just a one-off deal. We've built a system that for the first time can reliably take people to any point on the ocean sur- uh, sur- bottom. And that's never existed before. Everything before this has been an experimental vessel, but this is a commercially certified submersible that actually can go anywhere at any time, repeatedly. 
Do you expect to make more <laughs> submersibles so that other people can potentially do this as well? Well, it's possible. Uh, the design is available, and Triton Submarines that built the submersible and tested it now has perfected it. I'm sure they'd be happy to make more for anyone that would want to uh, have a fleet of these things. That, that's the ideal because then we could do more science and learn more about the ocean. And then, you know, just finally for young people and, and old who are listening to your story, do you think this is something that anyone can do? I mean, I wonder if there's something unique about you. You said you had like a, a drive for a, adventure. Um, can anyone do this or, or do you need to, is there some piece of advice that you would give someone who's potentially interested in doing what you just accomplished? Well, I do talk to people about this a lot. And one thing that amazes me is that human beings have extraordinary gifts and people almost limit themselves. And if you just stretch yourself, if you really apply yourself, that you can do things that are quite extraordinary, especially if you're able to find the right people to partner with. I mean, we can go to the moon, we can go to the bottom of the oceans, but people tend to limit themselves in their own brains. So you just set out an objective and try, you know, maybe you'll fail. But if you make incremental steps, eventually you can do things if they're not completely impossible, and you can get there. And I know it's an optimistic message. Maybe I'm just an optimistic person. But maybe that's just to answer your question. What do you need? You need optimism. And a little bit of uh, you know financial resources helps a lot to put it into place. But it starts with the optimism and the desire to go outside your comfort zone. Right, right. Well, we'll definitely be watching out. This is very, very exciting. Victor, thank you so much for your time, and congratulations again on everything. No, thank you for your time, and I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. And here's a few other TikTok headlines for today. A ban on abortion at any stage of pregnancy is headed to the Alabama governor's desk for her signature after winning approval in the Senate on May 14th. Alabama joins a growing list of states adopting abortion bans this year as anti-abortion advocates hope a conservative Supreme Court majority could reverse the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. President Trump is expected to delay a decision to impose auto tariffs to avoid disrupting ongoing trade negotiations with the EU and Japan. He faces a May 18th deadline over how to proceed with his threat to impose a 25% tariff on imported cars. And SpaceX is launching its own satellites into Space Wednesday. The launch marks a key step towards the company's hopes of providing broadband to billions of people in underserved areas around the world. And that's the TikTok for today. Thanks as always for listening. And if you like listening to us, please head over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. You can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Lauren Z. And don't forget, you can get all your latest updates 24-7 at TikTok.